Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole. Very, very honored to be with you on this special day. Today, we celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And what an honor it is for me to be able to have this broadcast on this day as we celebrate and truly honor a man who devoted his life to make life better for other people, who hardly had an easy life. He grew up in Jim Crow. He became the voice of freedom, of the potential for freedom for so many. He stood up for people of African descent and honestly for everyone, but in particular for black people who whose very lives were not considered valuable in our country. And it is, it, it's meaningful for us to honor him today. So hello to everyone out there who is joining in this moment of reflection that I hope will be an inspiration for you and for all of us at a time when a great leader should be remembered. You know, I will tell you that I was at Howard University, that's where I went to college, and the year after I graduated, I was still in Washington, D.C., and there was a March on Washington. Now, many of you know, perhaps all of you know, that Dr. King led the first March on Washington, and millions of people filled the mall in the effort to show unity and solidarity toward the cause of freedom and equality for all people. Led by Dr. King, some of the greatest minds were there, as well as some of the greatest minds who were regular folk, people from all over the United States who came on buses and, and trains and cars and planes in order to stand with Dr. King for what was right, for what was just, for what was so basic that it's almost kind of unbelievable that there needed to be a march. And yet here we are in 2021, and many will say that there still needs to be a march, another march. But back in, this was in 19, I guess it was 1983, the year that I graduated from college. Yeah, I'm telling my age. Uh, Jesse Jackson, pushed to have, well, Jesse Jackson pushed to make a march. Many people, and I was just watching on the, uh, Reverend Sharpton talk about, and Reverend Sharpton and uh, Martin Luther King III talk about the efforts of Coretta Scott King and others to make sure that there could be a day honoring Dr. King. And for those of you who don't know this piece of history, there were years, many, many years, that people fought quietly behind the scenes, publicly on the streets to honor Dr. King with a celebration of his life, what we are honoring today. It was certainly not a given. I remember my mother and my dear friend Todd, who since passed on from Baltimore, came to Washington DC 
came to be with me and we walked from my apartment building um, to join up with the marchers and to go downtown and to just say that we stood for the legacy of Dr. King and we believed that it was essential that he be honored in this way by creating a national holiday. It didn't instantly happen even after that. It took tremendous struggle, a lot of political clout, and finally we received this national holiday. And then there were many companies that did not want to give the time off. If you worked for the government, that meant you had the day off. Many businesses were like, this is an optional holiday. And then let's look past that. What have people done on King Day? If you put it in the context of holidays that we get off, for most people, oh, I get to not work, I get to sleep in late, I get to be with my family and just chill. But for those of us who marched and for those who many years prior and for Dr. King himself, for his life, this is about far more than chilling. It is about understanding the legacy of this great man, how hard he worked, how, how intently he fought for human dignity and for all of us to have rights, particularly black and brown people who were denied basic human rights since the beginning of, since our roots in this country. What does a holiday mean and what does it mean for you? And here through Dream Leapers Inspiration, you know, I'm always looking for ways that we can connect to the goodness within, connect to an understanding of our legacy and connect to how we can engage the greatness that we know connects us to each other if we choose to connect on that level because we also know we connect we can connect on all kinds of levels so i thought it would be great for us to explore how we can honor dr king's legacy how can we how we, we can remember him by contemplating how we are living right now in this moment how are you living what do you value at this point in your life at this point, we're still in the beginning of January. At this point in 2021, where are your steps leading you? Are you engaged in thoughtful contemplation about how you should be living? Are you doing the research to understand what your beliefs should be? We have witnessed so many people following blindly charismatic leaders and how dangerous that can be. And this is not just world leaders, even in, in jobs, in communities, in families. How often do people follow leaders whose beliefs are questionable? Very often, charismatic leaders get followed often to their death. But we don't want to do that. We want to be thoughtful, be mindful, be conscious of not only 
that which we believe, but that which is true, which requires research. It's not enough to profess to be a good person and to profess to follow good people. Because how do you know if they're good? You need to do research. You need to have a sense of what's happening on the outside as you also pay attention to what's happening on the inside. It's two kinds of work that we all need to do so that we can be in alignment. And I talk about alignment a lot. In yoga, we learn yoga means union, the union of mind, body, and spirit. Okay, that is a type of union, but the union of connection with others and connection to the greater good requires an understanding of what is that greater good? What does it mean? And what does it mean to you? What do you value? We cannot make assumptions that we should follow X or Y person because, well, they're in our political party. They're in our church. They're our uh, same ethnic background. They have the same color skin. They're the same gender. That's actually not enough. We need to do the research and figure out who people are, what they value, and what do we value? How we figure that out is by very actively learning our history, learning the history of the people from which we come, learning the history of our country, learning the history of uh, our communities, of politics, but also spirituality, religion, education, learning, constantly being students so that we can bring in information, assess it, process it, and then decide what do we believe to be true based on all this information that we find. Because what we know is we can blindly, even the best of us can blindly follow someone or a belief because we don't know better. And one thing that we have learned about technology and, and even using technology to consume news, which we all do, these algorithms, and if you watch The Social Contract, you can learn a little bit more about this, but you decide you wanna look at a particular news source. You look at that, it recommends another and another and another and takes you down a rabbit hole of affirmation of what you already believe and helps you to get deeply connected to whatever that is, even if it's untrue. And so how can you break out of that? By having the understanding that your mind can be free and it can roam and look at lots of information. And then you use your intellect and your intelligence to process, does this make sense to me? And does it make sense in the context of history? Why am I saying this? Because it's important for us to understand what's going on on the outside as we also process what's going on in the inside. Let me share a quote with you from Dr. King, which there are many, and I very strongly recommend that you read Dr. King because if you do, you will learn how he processed, how he processed thoughts and information and had strategy to move forward, not 
for himself, but for all of us. So here's one quote that I found from him. He says, rarely do we find men, and I'll say men and women, who willingly engage in hard, solid thinking. There is an almost universal quest for easy answers and half-baked solutions. Nothing pains some people more than having to think. That wasn't what you expected, was it? King is challenging us to think. How, what our parents say, put your thinking caps on, y'all. Don't follow anyone or anything blindly. Do your research. Here's another one. Every man lives in two realms, the internal and the external. The internal is that realm of spiritual ends expressed in art, literature, morals, and religion. The external is that complex of devices, techniques, mechanisms, and instrumentalities by means of which we live. Okay, the inspiration that bubbles forth from us that we welcome here on Dream Leapers Inspiration often is expressed through what? Through art, literature, morals, religion, spirituality, through creativity, right? We're looking for that. We're looking to tap into that. But Dr. King says that's only one half. The other half is the external, which is a complex of devices, techniques, mechanisms, and instrumentalities by means of which we live. What does that mean? What's your strategy for life? What's your plan for the day? What, what are you using as an understanding of how to live? What thinking, what practices, what rituals, even if it's simply the ritual of how you get up, how you move forward, who you communicate with, what the first things are that you do in the day, how you solve problems, the complex of devices, techniques, mechanisms, and instrumentalities by means of which we live. What do you practice? What do you follow in order to address the things that happen in your day? What mental capacity are you using? What is that process that you use to determine step one, step two, step three, step, step four? What are you using? What strategy? What information? This is not uh, what they say rocket science. More it is your ability to put your consciousness in an active space of doing, as my friend Sekou says. You're not just contemplating. You're not being a philosopher. You're living your life and you're putting into practice. You are doing what your heart, your consciousness, your research have all told you, this is how to live. When you have children, you're using all of that to teach them what you believe is the way to live. And you're teaching them ways in which they can practice what you have taught them that you believe. And how do you do that? By doing what you say. We often tell the story that you want to walk the talk. And with children, but it's not just with children, with, if you're a leader, everybody who follows you is noticing how you lead. 
What do you do? Are you walking your talk? Dr. King was really interesting. I mean, he, his son, Martin Luther King III, this morning on MSNBC was talking about how in the last years of his father's life, he was a pariah. Because he continued to walk his talk, which was actually quite radical back then because he wanted to have a just wage for everyone. It wasn't just about ending police brutality, which is enough, but it was about having the ability to live because you had enough resources in order to care for your families. And some of his ideas in that realm were considered far more radical than some of the others because it, it was chipping away at this notion of equity as it related to money. And many people said, uh-uh, you've gone too far. And Dr. King ended up being a pariah for many, even people who had loved him prior. But he stayed the course. How often do you stay the course when what you believe has been challenged? Even if you believe it on a cellular level, what do you do if many people that you care about, many people that follow you, turn away? Do you turn away? Now, sometimes, actually most times, if people challenge you, I think that's a time for you to step back, pause, and contemplate, is this a worthwhile challenge? Uh, do they have a point? Is there something in what they're saying that you should consider? Should you tweak your, uh, your thinking? Should you tweak your steps? You evaluate it and make a decision rather than just digging in and saying, I'm sticking to my guns. I believe what I believe. It's okay to reconsider because sometimes maybe you're getting more knowledge than you had before. And that knowledge can help you to understand, well, with this added knowledge, perhaps there is another way to look at this situation. But if you are challenged by people and what your evaluation says is mm -mm, you still believe firmly based upon everything that you know, that what you have stated, what you intend is on point, then you should continue to follow your path, even if it becomes a path that many veer away from. And that's hard. I remember I worked for a year with Earl Graves, who was the founder of Black Enterprise Magazine, an incredible businessman and visionary in the world of business, particularly representing black people in business. He had worked for Robert Kennedy. Uh, he was an advanced man for Robert Kennedy. Having been in the military, he used the skills that he learned there to be an advanced man for Robert Kennedy. And who was the attorney general under um, John F. Kennedy. And he, Dr., uh, excuse me, um, Earl Graves, talked about the importance of standing in harm's way. He said, sometimes your job is to stand up for what you believe, even when it could be dangerous, even when it means that people walk away from you. Because 
you are standing up for what is right and you know it's right. Standing in harm's way sometimes means standing in front of a bullet. Sometimes means standing in front of the potential demise of your career or of something that you value tremendously. This is what Dr. King did. He stood in harm's way every day. He stood in harm's way so that our lives could be better. Having the vision to understand that it wasn't about his life, those precious years that he was on the planet, but it was about our lives moving forward, generations past. He stood in harm's way, hopefully, so that we would have a clearer path. And we can argue, do we have a clearer path? Yes. Is it still challenging? Yes. But to Earl Graves' point, standing in harm's way requires you to understand what you believe, understand what you value. It, you know, as we do in Dreamly Presents Inspiration, meditating, asking yourself, what do you stand for? Out of meditation, doing the research to learn not just what you think, what you, it is not just what you feel. It is not, oh, the voice inside said this, and so I'm blindly following it. I believe in the voice inside. I believe that that is our connection, our connection to greatness, our connection to God. But I also believe you have to do your research so you understand whatever the topic is in the context of our world, our families, our communities, our race, our being. And when I say our race, it's the human race. And then you can also look at ethnicities and how each of us has been treated. But ultimately, this is about humanity and how as humankind, we can work together to make a better world. Don't you want that? That's what Dr. King wanted for us. And the requirement was that you have the internal, your internal life in check that you are nurturing your internal world and you are paying attention to the tools that you use in the external world, in your outward facing life, so that you continue to walk in alignment with what you believe and with what you know to be right. And you continue to check in so that as new information comes your way, you refine your understanding. Now, how does that act out practically? I, I'll give you an example of something that recently happened in my life, in my daughter's life really, but it's in our family, that I just think is a really great example of just a refinement of understanding. So let the context, in our schools today, every school, every school system is trying to figure out how to educate the kids. How, you know, are they going to be in the building? Are they going to be out of the building? During this period, this elongated period of COVID, when so many people are still quarantined, and how to keep their minds active and their scholarship up and their spirits up. And so the new principal of our school, a really fine man who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, came up with a new plan for the spring. We have one plan that was based on 
for, for this current semester based on having to be in COVID and, and wanting to protect the students. And so then he recommended a pivot that was a much more academically, academically robust schedule that at first I have to say I liked it. I'm on the uh, school leadership team and you know I looked at it and thought it was great and talked to my daughter about it. She's like, are you kidding me? She was just wrecked by the idea that the day would be longer, that there would be more work and potentially more homework because what she explained, which is something I think is true for many of us who are working from home, we seem to be working more hours. It's not like the day is shorter, the day is often longer. And so it is for them. Anyhow, there were surveys done by the, the faculty, by the students, and through these surveys, it was discovered that almost, almost unanimously, high 90s and high 80s for students and faculty, they did not like the change. Not now. They felt that they loved what we were doing. Loved might be too strong, but that was the anchor. It was working and they did not want change now. It felt too fragile for lots of reasons. And our new leader listened. He had a well thought out plan that he thought would be good. He listened and decided not to follow that plan now. That couldn't have been easy for him. It wasn't easy for him to try to figure out the next thing. It wasn't easy for him to stand down. It wasn't easy, certainly emotionally, for all of the stakeholders to contemplate this and really wonder whether they would be heard. But in the end, the collective truth prevailed because the principal was an active listener. He was compassionate. He was thinking ahead, not just for his ideas, but really for the school. I use that as an example because leaders sometimes have an idea. They're going to stick to it no matter what. I know what's best for you and you have to follow. And guess what? They are put in those positions because we say that we trust them to make decisions on our behalf. But here was a great example of democracy at work, of leadership at work, of leadership in the moment, of conscious leadership. And I use it because I, I watched this whole thing unfold. I was a participant. My daughter was a participant. And hundreds of people had a sigh of relief when together we looked at what was happening and our leader made a decision based upon the collective whole. This is what leadership, conscious leadership can look like. That is with a school. I wanna ask you in your life, are you acting as a conscious leader? Whatever you lead, your household, your family, your department at your job, your small business, your community center, your church, your house of worship, your whatever it is, wherever you lead, including and starting with your own life, are you being a conscious leader in the moment, paying attention to all of the factors 
as you make decisions. Being willing to write your course as you learn more information that informs your thinking and your understanding of whatever is before you. We talked, I think, last week about how much energy it takes to bring yourself consciously to the moment again and again and again, to not just check off the boxes or go with the flow. If you do this, practicing conscious leadership, you probably will go to bed earlier at night because it, it, it can be exhausting, but it's a good exhaustion. It's the exhaustion that says you have worked hard to be your best, to be in the space of conscious awareness. And I, I, I know some, some of us think, well, that's for somebody else. That's head of school, head of country, head of house of worship, head of the community board. That's not me. What am I the head of? You're the head of your life. You're the head of your own being. You are the head of your life. If you have a family, even if you don't consider yourself head of household, you're head of yourself within the household. Understand that each of us can assume a leadership role for our lives. And when we do that, we create space to include others through a clarity of vision that starts with you recognizing your own power, you recognizing that your conscious awareness will make a difference. And by the way, your lack of conscious awareness will also make a difference. Stumbling into something, not paying attention, usually creates a problem, doesn't it? How many times have you not paid attention and showed up somewhere for something, for a call, for a communication, and ooh, it didn't work so well. Why? Because you weren't paying close enough attention. How many times has that happened for you? We can choose not to let that happen. We can choose to make the arc of our life today move in the direction that we want, move in the direction that Dr. King inspired in us. That March on Washington that I participated in way back in 83 was to ensure that on this day, every year, we would remember this great man for the sacrifices he made, but also for the intellect, for the study, for the dedication, for the focus, for the understanding, for the appeal to the greatness in each one of us. And so today's appeal is for you, for me, for all of us to step up and leap into conscious awareness of our leadership capabilities, our commitment to live our best life, our promise to be aware, especially in moments of choice the small moments, the bigger moments. Let's practice conscious awareness as leaders, as leaders today. What are you going to do with your leadership today? How are you gonna honor Dr. King in your own actions today? How? Why don't you share with me? You can go to the Dream Leapers Inspiration 
uh, Facebook, what is it, <laughs> what is it called? The Dream Leapers Inspiration uh, Facebook group that I created. And share with me, what is going to be your action for leadership today? Honoring Dr. King. How are you going to be living in the arc of humanity that he talked about, that we can all uh, rise up to live in, to be our very best? What are you going to do? I'd love for you to share with me what that will be. Let's practice it all week, standing up in conscious awareness of our leadership. It's worth it for each and every one of us. So enjoy this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hold his memory and his teachings and his commitment in your heart. Not just today, but every day. Thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate you. I honor you. Let's stand in that space of conscious awareness. Until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.